You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I've been saying it forever. Do not take sex advice from the – well, let's not call them staff writers. Why don't we call them unpaid interns and new college graduates who write for Cosmo? I've been saying this forever. Ever since I, I picked up a Cosmo sex tips issue and one of the sex tips was when you're out on a hike with your man, hide a small smooth stone in your pocket that you picked up on the trail. Then when you get frisky or whatever uh, during the hike, at his moment of orgasm – Sneak the small, smooth stone out of your pocket and press it against his ass to give him a mind-blowing orgasm. What? That's just a good way to make sure you don't get a ride back with him from the trailhead. That's all it's going to get you. Excuse me, why are you shoving a rock into my ass? Not even I would like that. And I'm pretty sexually adventurous. And I'm a fag. And I don't want you shoving small, smooth stones into my butt. I can't imagine the average straight guy... The kind of straight guy who would date a girl who would read Cosmo would appreciate that move. So I've been saying for years, don't take sex and relationship advice from Cosmo. I want to call your attention to a hilarious piece at Nerve.com called Cosmo's 44 Most Ridiculous Sex Tips by Ben Reninga, R-E-I-N-I-N-G-A. I I have no idea how you pronounce his name. Reninga, we're going to say here. Uh, And he runs through some of the worst of the worst including my favorite, give him a beer facial. The combination of the egg white and yeast in the hops hydrates and improves skin elasticity, but you can just tell him that your lips can't resist his delicious beer-flavored face. Ben writes, in fact, please say exactly that. My lips can't resist your delicious beer-flavored face just so I can know that someone somewhere has actually said that. I wanted to draw attention to a, to a theme that runs throughout Cosmo sex tips and uh, Ben identifies uh, – it keeps coming up, which is this mixing up of, of food and sex. Dip your breasts in edible body paint and use them to sponge paint his entire body, then lick it off. Cook dinner topless, apply a little tomato sauce to your nipple, ask him to lick it off. Take a few of your favorite erotically appealing flavor combinations like peanut butter and honey or whipped cream and chocolate sauce and mix up yummy treats all over his body. Feed each other ice cream in the dark in bed. Not being able to see means more spilling, which means more licking up the mess. You know, there's fucking and there's dessert. And these are two separate, distinct human pleasures and pursuits. These are sex tips for people who would rather be eating. These are sex tips for people who don't have sex, by people who've never had sex, by people whose sensuous pleasures really have been limited to the Haagen-Dazs aisle at the supermarket, trying to shit out sex tips at work on Monday morning. Don't take sep- – another sex tip from Cosmo. I put this up on my blog and a reader drew my attention to it. They once recommended to give your man a special treat to slide a glazed donut down his hard dick and then eat the donut. Not the dick. The donut. Newsflash, ladies, your man, to put it the way Cosmo would put it, would much rather watch you eat his dick than watch you eat another fucking donut. 
There's nothing hot about looking down and seeing somebody looking up at you eating a fucking donut. Eat his dick and then have a donut later as a reward. But don't eat the donut then the dick. I'm sorry. I get upset about this shit, you know, because this is America. I have a sweet tooth like everybody else in America. But this constant sort of churn in our country is everything gradually becomes dessert. Really, sex is the only thing that has not yet become desertified. Granola became granola bars, which are now candy bars, right? Everything else becomes dessert. Let's leave the dick alone. Can we not make dick dessert, please? Can we just have dick be dick? And this is of a piece with my opposition to strawberry-flavored condoms and cherry-flavored condoms and pina colada-flavored condoms. A condom should be dick-flavored if you must have a flavored condom. If you don't like the way dick tastes, don't fake it. Don't pretend. Don't cover it in chocolate sauce. Dick is an acquired taste. Acquire it. Your call's after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Just go to AdamandEve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm 27 in California. Um, I have been with my boyfriend for almost two months, and it was complicated getting together, but we're doing really well. We're kind of moving at dike speed. <laughs> Forgive me if that's offensive. Um, with the U-Haul and all. But... um. He's a baiter. Um, I'm sure you know what that is. But basically what that means is, uh, for the listeners out there, is he's really into masturbating, like mutual masturbation, uh, circle jerks, um, and you like don't really touch each other during that. And um, he's been into it since he was like really young. And um, we've had a few fights about it recently, and um, basically it kind of makes me uncomfortable. We've tried to do it together. I'm really GGG. I think I'm really GGG. And I told him that I'm cool with it and that I'd like to to do it with him. But every time I either try to talk to him about it and ask him questions, he kind of shuts me down and acts like a dick. Um, And then the one time recently that we really tried to sit down and do it, he acted like a dick the entire time and it went down in flames. And uh, basically it looks like, oh, well, right as as it stands now, um, we are not doing it together. Um, We have great anal and bottom to the top. But, um, this is a huge part of his sexuality and I was just in laying in bed with him. He was asleep and he left his Skype open and some guy started messaging him like, uh, who they had clearly been talking earlier. And I did the bad thing and I opened it up and I read their conversation. And in it, he said that he thinks that he needs to be with another baiter because I'm not a baiter, even though I've told him that I'm down with trying it. And, um, like, you know, exploring it and getting good at it and doing it with him. Um, that hasn't really worked thus far. And then I read this thing that basically says that he thinks he needs to be with another baiter. Um, and he actually said the words, I could do with just baiting for the rest of my life. No sex, no anal, whatever, whatsoever. So I'm really uh, stressed out about this right now. Um, don't know what to do. I would love some help. One good reason not to snoop, and I'm a realist when it comes to snooping. Everybody does a little bit of snooping, and I'm not down with the snoop Nazis who think it's the most unforgivable sin. People literally equate snooping with uh, cheating, that you you cheated and they found out by snooping, but snooping's just as bad as cheating, which is complete and total and utter horseshit. But one of the 
reasons not to snoop is sometimes you read things you can't unread. He said something to this guy who's a baiter like he is. Maybe he meant it. Maybe he really sincerely meant that he needs to be with another baiter and that he could do nothing but bait for the rest of his life and be totally happy. Or maybe he was just shining this guy. Maybe he was just telling this guy what he thought that guy wanted to hear as a baiter because he was trying to hook up on a date with him. Or maybe he was just blowing off a little steam and saying to this baiter that, ugh. You know, maybe what I need to do is be the baiter for the rest of his life. And he didn't mean it because he obviously likes you. He can keep it up long enough to fuck your ass. Uh, you're two months into dating going at uh, dyke speed, as you put it, moving at dyke speed. And so there's something there. And, and he may be weighing, you know, his growing feelings for you and his attachment to you against his hobby, you know, his passion generally, you know, the, the, the place where most of his sexual energy and focus has been directed for, what, a decade before he met you? Longer? And that can cause a conflict and he may then have to blow off a little steam by saying some things that in the moment he might mean or might feel. But then when he thinks about you or is with you, obviously he feels a little differently. So what do you do with this information? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes um, you appear omniscient when you write an advice column or host a sex advice podcast because you appear to have all the answers. And that's because usually you don't play the calls or the, run the questions that you don't have answers for. I think you need to let this play out. Continue to date him. Um, he obviously has some shame issues around this baiting shit that – he has a hard time doing it with you and acts like a dick when you try to do it with him or try to go to a, you know, a jerk-off event with him or just jerk off with him. That may be his projecting self-loathing onto you. He may look at you and think, oh, you're only doing this because you're trying to appease me and you're silently judging me or disgusted with me in the moment. And so I'm going to be kind of a prickly dick to you even though you're being nice and indulging me. And that's just about his insecurities. And it may take longer than two months for those insecurities to burn off. On the other hand, this could be something that he enjoys doing not with a romantic partner and you may have to give him – if you want him to be with him, if you love him, uh, if you have really strong feelings for him, the kind of feelings that might inspire you to move at dyke speed, you may have to sign off on this part of his sexuality not involving you. You may have to say, you know what, this baiting thing presents no risk to me. It's something you enjoy doing with people you have casual relationships with or don't even know, like when you go to a jerk-off club. And obviously doing it with somebody that you have romantic feelings for complicates the experience for you. So you know what? When you want to do this baiting shit, run wild. Go do it. Have fun. And then I'll be here at home waiting for you. And you can tell me about it or not tell me about it. Uh, and then we can get down to the business of the rest of your sexuality, like fucking my ass and being in love with me. You know, sometimes the solution when one partner has this obsession or kink or activity that they really enjoy, sometimes the solution isn't the vanilla partner or the didn't have that kink before partner kinking up and you know cultivating that kink and sharing it. Sometimes the solution is letting him have his own private thing. Presents no risk to you. It's no threat to you. Let him have his own private jack-off time. Let him pursue baiting the way he's pursued it for all these years before you came along as a private – or not so private but as a solo on his own sexual pleasure and activity. And then maybe the relationship can survive. And maybe if he sees you give him permission to run off and do this on his own, he'll be more comfortable doing it with you. This is really common though. The solution that I'm rolling out for you is really common. There's a lot of people in a lot of different kink scenes who have loving, supportive partners at home who don't share their kink and don't feel like they need to muscle in on it. 
Or maybe they tried and it didn't work as you have tried and it hasn't worked. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I had what I hope is a quick question for you because I know you addressed this previously. I'm getting married soon, and so I'm hoping that you can answer my question. And it's about a rape scenario. Um, my fiancé and I have been together for several years, and he is planning to carry out my rape scenario um, on our honeymoon. And I would love for him to do this. He's agreed to do it. Um, we've engaged in light bondage before. Um, we are very sexually compatible and sexually familiar. But a previous caller asked if he needed to plan out and talk out a rape scenario with his partner, and he said yes, absolutely. And I'm just curious if your advice holds for people who know each other really well and are very familiar with one another. Um, I absolutely want to avoid trauma, but at the same time, um, I don't want to kill all this spontaneity. So if you have any advice or if your advice would change, I'd love to know. There are two ways to talk it out in advance, two ways to plan it out. Uh, one allows for more spontaneity and slightly more risk. The less spontaneous, less risky way to plan it out is to really plot it, to script it. Here is what is going to happen, this, 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 and this. And that is all that will happen. And here's what you're going to say and here's how I'm going to react and to really write a script. The other way to plan it out is to say, here are the things that are not going to happen. You may not do this. We will not do that. Here are the things I don't think – I want to hear. Here's things that you can't say because they're upsetting or too traumatizing or perhaps triggering. And so you plot out what's not going to happen and then you leave it to the other person basically to do whatever the hell they want that wasn't on your no-go list. They may then stumble onto something that you don't enjoy, which is why you need a safe word, even with somebody that you know well when you're doing something new uh, and different and challenging when you're doing varsity-level sex play. Um, I don't have a problem with you guys incorporating a fantasy fulfillment rape scenario fang onto your into your honeymoon, onto your wedding night. I think that's actually kind of tremendously hot and says something about the kind of sexual connection you guys are going to have over the life of your marriage. And that's wonderful. You're not one of those couples who's going to define marriage consciously or subconsciously as the end of sexual possibility, pleasure, adventure, excitement. Um, that you know now you have to get serious and it has to be love, 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 sex all the time. I think it's great that you want to do this on your honeymoon. You do need to plot it out. You do need to script it out. Rape play, rape scenarios, rape fantasy familiar is a minefield that you're stomping around in. You need to know. He needs to know where the mines are so he doesn't stomp on one of them and ruin your wedding night. Hi, Dan. I'm a 27-year-old gay guy in a big city on the East Coast. My boyfriend and I broke up about six months ago. Uh, he was my first boyfriend. We were living together. We've been together for about four years. Uh, the breakup wasn't that bad. I'm pretty much over it. So I've had some good luck on Grindr and other quote-unquote networking tools since then and have hooked up with a few guys, and I keep seeing more new ones I like, and I'm getting keeping my options open. Uh, my problem is that I tend to get pretty friendly with the guys I meet up with because I feel most comfortable hooking up after getting to know someone a little. I'm having trouble when it comes to the rules or conversations to have when it comes to a fuck buddy because I've never really had one before and because I'm not really ready for a commitment. Since I'm not looking for a boyfriend, um, I feel guilty and a little slutty when I hook up with someone and eventually stop talking to them because I'm no longer interested or there's another guy I want to see or maybe things just fizzle out. Um, I'm a little resistant to confrontation, so I find it hard just to come out and say what exactly it is I'm looking for right up front. 
And in a way, this is all very new to me because I was in a different place physically and mentally since the last time I was single. So what's the best way to approach these types of relationships so that I won't hurt anyone's feelings and get a reputation as the douchebag of the neighborhood? People get reputations as douchebags and players of the neighborhood when they exploit reasonable assumptions that other people might make. Uh, when you're not clear about what it is you want, what it is you're offering, uh, you know, if you're hooking up with people, they may make a reasonable assumption that you're uh, attracted to them and that if you're single, you might be interested in a relationship. If you're attracted to them but no relationship is possible because you're at a stage of life right now where that is just not in the cards for you, not offering that information up is to then exploit their reasonable assumption about your intentions. You get a reputation and people think you're a bag of dicks. So what you need to do is you need to d disclose. You know, and there's a lot of people out there hooking up and a lot of people, a lot of great relationships start with hooking up and gay land hooking up isn't viewed as in any way uh, a block to the beginning of a beautiful relationship. A lot of beautiful relationships start with a hookup. So when you're hooking up and you guys are having that hookup conversation, all you have to do is drop into it that you just got out of a long-term relationship. You're not looking for anything serious. You're not against a regular thing but maybe a fuck buddy thing and then be kind. Be nice. And if that person – is hooking up in hopes of something becoming a relationship, they won't hook up with you. If they decide to hook up with you anyway, even if they're looking for a relationship and they get hurt, then that's their responsibility. You're not the asshole. They're the fool. But you'll mostly drive away the guys who are hooking up for a relationship or hooking up in hopes of a relationship blossoming. And if you're just honest and open, nobody can fault you. That doesn't mean people can't still gossip or say mean things. If their feelings get hurt, they can't. But you're, you're going to be good. You're going to be golden. Uh, and you won't have anything to feel guilty about. So just disclose. Now, don't make the mistake of treating people who are your fuck buddies or that you hook up with uh, poorly as a means of communicating to them you're not interested in anything serious. That I will fuck you but I will not be nice to you because if I'm nice to you, then you're going to think I want a relationship and I don't. Just say you don't want a relationship and then be nice to them. People who hook up and then treat people like dirt or like you know a dirty tube sock they just jacked off into – they get reputations, even if they're clear that all they're interested in a hookup, be clear, all you're interested in a hookup, but then treat the people who are kind enough to get naked with you and get you off decently and be friendly with them. A lot of great not relationship relationships but friendship relationships can begin with a hookup too if you're kind and decent and honest and upfront with the people that you're hooking up with. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Go to adamandeve.com and order almost any one item at 50% off. Choose a new adult toy, lube, or almost anything from over 18,000 adult products. Then at checkout, enter offer code SAVAGE and you'll get to choose three free adult DVDs. That's right. You get to choose your own DVDs. Plus, receive a free mystery gift and free shipping on your entire order. Choose from all kinds of genres for both gay and straight folks. And now you can also shop on your mobile phone at Adam and Eve. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. My name is Tracy. I'm 23, married, and I need your help because I have no idea what to do. Sex has become remarkably painful for me in the last year and a half. I've been sexually active for five years and have never had a problem until now. I've gone to two female gynecologists and told them my problems, and they both asked if my husband was doing foreplay, to which I said enthusiastically yes. Uh, they both did exams and found nothing wrong. In fact, they both said I was remarkably healthy. Um, in the end, they both changed the birth control I was on, um, but it didn't really help. And 
they have no idea what to do. Um, my husband, for on his part, does everything right. Um, we do oral and fingering to make sure I have orgasm several times before we even dare to do penetration. Um, penetration is when it starts to hurt, and um, it ebbs in the middle of sex, and then it comes back with a vengeance after a random amount of time. Sometimes it's right before I come. Sometimes it's it's when things start, like, really getting hot and heavy. Um, sometimes I even make my husband come early so that the sex can be over since it's so painful. Um, I have no idea what to do, and at this point, I'm starting to even avoid sex, and just don't mention to my husband because every time I think of sex now, I also think of pain. Um, I literally have no idea what to do. I am completely healthy. I have no STDs. Um, my weight is under control. I don't have any blood problems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've changed my birth control three times, and it's never helped. Even using my dildo is painful as soon as I put it in. I have no idea what to do. Please help me. Joining us by phone, Dr. Debbie Herbenick, a research scientist at Indiana University, a sex educator at the Kinsey Institute, and author of five books about sex, love, and vaginas. Her newest is Sex Made Easy. And Debbie is the only person who's ever chased me around a room with a vulva puppet that I've condescended to speak to again and again and again. Usually that's traumatizing for me, that kind of vulva puppet action. But Debbie, you're just so charismatic. I can't, I can't quit you. You know, it's not me, it's the puppet, but we both appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, so this call breaks my heart, and I wanted to bring you in because you are America's leading vagina expert. What's the take on this? She's been to gynecologist. She's changed up her birth control three times. What do you think could possibly be going on here? You know, it's a really good question, and, you know, we we struggle a lot with issues around uh, women's pain during sex and women's genital pain uh, in general, whether or not it's during sex. Um, a lot of women have pain during sex, and one of our studies of, uh, you know, women in the U.S., we found about 30% of women had difficulty with pain during the most recent time that they had sex. Um, I'm not surprised that her gynecologists haven't been able to figure it out yet. That's common. She probably needs to see somebody who focuses just on vaginas and vulvas to get to the bottom of it. Where do you find someone who focuses just on vaginas and vulvas? Perfectly. There's actually a place that does this. It's called the International Society for the Study of Vulvovaginal Disease. I like to call them the Vagina Society, but they are more than that. And their website is issvd.org. Uh, the National Vulvodynia Association is also a place that's specifically focused on uh, women's genital pain issues, and their website is nva.org. So those are good places to start. You know, I think, you know, in the meantime, though, she probably needs to stop switching birth control pills all the time. Um, I understand her, her wanting to sort of get to the bottom of this, but that's unlikely um, to fix anything. You know, I think her doctors have been right to ask about whether or not she's engaging in foreplay. The thing I would ask is, is it, is it actually exciting foreplay? So it's not just like doing stuff before you penetrate, but is it like exciting and arousing enough that, that you feel lubricated and your vagina expands and things are sort of setting you up for more comfortable sex? But even with all of that done, it doesn't mean that the pain's going to go away. And there's really a lot of different reasons that that a woman could have pain when she has sex. And it seems to that the pain is only upon penetration. And she could go off birth control entirely in in the interim while she gets in touch with those organizations and and sees uh, another specialist. It sounds like they could be sexually active and just not do penetrative sex for the moment and maybe take some yeah. of the pressure off. 
Yeah, I think taking a break from vaginal intercourse would be a great thing. You know, it really broke my heart when she talked about associating pain with sex and sort of not even wanting to think about sex. And there's so many other ways to have pleasure and, and to enjoy each other that it makes sense. And, you know, I can't imagine that her husband's really psyched about having sex and hurting her either. So I think it would probably be a good, you know, a good solution for both of them to think about other ways to sort of play around. Yeah, you don't want to create that kind of negative feedback loop where you start to fear sex and associate it with pain because you that can become... A, a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is not to say this is all in your head, but you're you're you know adding this layer of anxiety and trepidation on top of the physiological pain that you're already experiencing, and that itself can become kind of triggering. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't help, and you know I, I didn't get a sense of uh, sort of how frequently she has sex. You know, she, she certainly talked about using her her dildo, for example, but I also wondered, you know, sort of how long has she ever sort of given um, her vagina a break, right? Like, has she gone like a full week or two without putting anything in it or, um, you know, potentially irritating it more? You know, no um, fragrance products, no no sort of soaps up inside there, um, you know, maybe not even tampons and, you know, but just really sort of giving her vagina a break and coming back and sort of seeing um, how it feels as well. So sometimes when the, when the vagina tears or has other, other problems, it can take several days, sometimes even a week, to really heal up. And when we say give your vagina a break, we're not saying don't be sexually active, don't be intimate. You can give your vagina a break and do other things and stay in the game and still pleasure each other and still get off. This is, we're not like recommending – I assume you're not recommending celibacy – Right. I'm just recommending, you know, treat your body carefully. And so, you know, you, and it sounds like, I guess one thing to talk about too, is it really sounds to me like the pain is inside. So when I say vagina, I mean like the birth canal, um, which is different than the vulva, which are the outside parts. And so I get the sense that her pain is internal. Um, if I'm wrong about that, then she, yeah, she'd probably want to give her vulva a break for, you know, a week too. So that might mean doing other things. You know, you can still be sexually active, but treat those parts with care. Take them off the menu. Can you give the names of those organizations again one more time for the caller? Yeah. National Vulvodynia Association is nva.org. They're really focused on pain issues and the issvd.org, which is what I call the Vagina Society. Dr. Debbie Herbenick, research scientist at Indiana University, sex educator at the Kinsey Institute, author of five books about sex, love, and vaginas, newest Sex Made Easy. Pick up her books. They're wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Debbie. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Hi, Dan. I'm calling with a question about a friend of mine. He's a straight guy in his late 20s who recently revealed to me that he's really kinky. Specifically, he's into being feminized by a dominant woman, being forced to wear panties or makeup, being called a bitch, being forced to suck a strap on. He's been having these fantasies since his early teens. I'm the only person he's ever told this to, and he's expressed a great deal of shame about these kinks to me. I'm pretty kinky myself, and I've been trying to be really supportive of him. Tonight, I had a conversation with him where he was telling me about a girl he really likes and who he's hoping to date. He said meeting her has made him realize what he really wants from his life. He wants a wife and kids and to be a successful professional in his community. He's decided that his kinks are completely disconcordant with these goals and he's determined to get past them um, by not watching the porn that he likes and in general by just putting his fantasies from his head. He said that he once went three months without watching this type of porn and that he felt like he thought about his feminization fantasies a lot less and felt generally more confident in his life. My theory is the increase in confidence is probably because he wasn't mentally shaming himself constantly for liking what he likes. Uh, but I'd be interested to hear what you think about that. Um, 
I certainly disagree with him that his kinks are not compatible with living a so-called respectable life. I have a lot of the same life aspirations as my friend does, and I have no plans on giving up my fetishes. Um, my question for you is, is it possible to simply ignore a deep rooted kink like his? Could he one day have ignored his fetishes for long enough that they no longer have any appeal? Or is he, as I sort of brutally declared to him on the phone tonight, attempting to bury something that can't be buried? Personally, I think he can only avoid what he's so strongly wired to for so long, and by not facing the reality of his sexual inclinations and accepting them for the harmless kinks that they are, he's risking a lot. I mean, what happens five years from now after he's promised to be monogamously married to a vanilla wife, possibly with a kid or two, and he realizes that, that this is still something he wants or, or even needs to feel sexually fulfilled? Um, I'd love to hear what you think, and if you have any advice for me about how I might talk to him about it, I would love to hear that as well. Your concern for him is admirable, I guess. You seem a little overly wrapped up in his drama. And you're absolutely right. He's making a huge mistake. I'm going to appropriate a Langston Hughes poem right now and read it. It's kind of an inappropriate usage of this Langston Hughes. I'm repurposing it to the kink communities, of course, writing about the African-American community, about the civil rights movement, about institutionalized discrimination and racism in American society. But I'm going to now read it and think. I think it's kind of about your friend in this context. Uh, a dream deferred. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? It explodes. Uh, you can run from your kinks. I recently wrote a column – in which I quoted Dr. Paul Federoff, who's a neuropsychiatrist and a forensic psychiatrist and director of the Sexual Behaviors Clinic at the Royal Ottawa Mental Health Center in Ottawa. And he has taken people who have kinks that they find shaming or disabling or dangerous uh, and given them low-dose SSRI, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Uh, and it's cured these guys of their kinks, made them go away. Uh, the, the thing is though that what these drugs do is they destroy a man's libido. Uh, other people have prescribed chemical castration drugs to people who are wrestling with a kink that they think is, as you so – I thought uh, poetically put it, disconcordant with their life goals. What your friend needs to do is reconcile – I think it would be better, it would be healthier for him to reconcile – his goals with his kinks, as you have. There's nothing about your kinks that can prevent you from having a family life. Uh, there is something about your kinks though that can explode a family. That if you are gay and you marry and crap out a couple of kids with your wife because that's the – you think the best way to nail your closet door shut forever, you will stumble the fuck out of that closet eventually. Desire will out. What happens to that kind of dream deferred? It fucking explodes. Look at Ted Haggard. Look at Larry Craig. Look at George Reekers. It doesn't – you can't bottle it up forever. Your friend, if he marries someone – if he forms a relationship with someone where he's hiding his true sexual interest and true sexual nature from, eventually that will out and it will destroy his life. He would be a fool. But it, you know, it's his foolishness. You don't need to worry about him. If he's going to throw his life away like this, if this is how he has to learn that lesson, then this is how he has to learn that lesson. You can talk some sense to him. You can say, don't do this. Don't do it, A, to yourself because you're going to be miserable. And B, don't do this to this girl. That's not fair. 
to marry her under false pretenses like that. To marry her not because you love her but to marry her because you think that she's the dam that's going to hold back all of that sexual energy, all that water. One day the dam is going to break and everything that you built will get swept away. What you need to do is find someone who is down with your kinks, who enjoys them too or who can tolerate them or adopt them as the first caller on today's podcast has tried to do with his boyfriend, the baiter can attempt to adopt them or understand them or learn to find pleasure in them too and build a life with that person. You'll be happier and you won't be fucking married for 40 years with a sword of Damocles hanging over your head. Another metaphor is flying all around right now, dams and swords of Damocles. Uh, but it's just a foolish way to go. But some people have to learn those lessons the hard way. Hopefully your friend won't be one of them. Hopefully with you there talking sense to him. Hi, Dan. A uh, 24-year-old straight male calling from Chicago. Got kind of a good problem here. I've been seeing this girl uh, long distance for about a month now. Now, I know that's not very long, but we do have a lot of history. Um, always had a spark, you know, hooked up in the past, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but anyway, so last time that she visited me, I kind of suggested trying out um, a little bit of dom-sub play. Like, you know, like the dom-sub equivalent of first base, you know, hair pulling, spanking. Um, I blindfolded and tied her hands with some bandanas that I found. And, you know, she was really, really into it. Um, actually, a little bit more enthusiastic than I was, which is pretty fucking enthused. Uh, so afterwards, we talked about it, and we agreed that we really do want to take this further. Um, she suggested next time maybe being tied up, maybe being gagged. So, you know, just total green light ahead. Um, but since we're long distance, we only get to see each other once in a blue moon. And next time that I visit her, I thought it would be really cool to um, surprise her by kind of taking a bold step forward in this direction, you know, with um, dominating her. Uh, so having said that, uh, neither of us have any fucking experience whatsoever in this field. Just no idea what best practices are. So... Um, wise old sage, what advice would you have for a guy that wants to wow his curious girlfriend, but also wants to take a very comfortable step forward? You know, um, like I said, trust is not an issue, but also I don't want to pace it too fast either. I kind of want us to be able to, um, savor the experience, this experience, you know, of kind of exploring the side of ourselves together. Um, but yeah, you know, like, what should I do? What should I buy? You know, even like, how should I talk at her when, you know, we're doing this to kind of make it authentic, you know, like attitude wise, just, you know, questions like that, um, to kind of take this, you know, step forward, this bold foray into this world. Um, so I would love your advice. Thanks, Dan. Advice for guys who want to wow their girlfriends. Uh, the first bit of advice would be don't call the fag that you are asking for help wise old sage because fags generally don't like to be called old. But we're going to leave that. I'm going to give you some advice. Here's what you do. Don't not be yourself. You're, you're psyching yourself out to think that you're going to have to suddenly turn into BDSM dom sub David Copperfield and just blow her fucking mind. Be confident that you are already blowing her fucking mind, that you guys are stepping outside your comfort zones. You're exploring some new territory. You don't need to suddenly the next time she arrives be exploring territory in another solar system. You can keep taking these baby steps. You did a little uh, hair pulling and spanking and some very light bondage that time. Now, what's the baby step? How do you 
escalate from there just a little bit. Well, you can acquire some decent restraints. Don't get handcuffs. Handcuffs hurt uh, and they twist and they cut off bones and nerves. They don't cut off bones but they can cut into bones and nerves and make people numb and they tighten uh, when you don't want them to. If you really like her and you have a little bit of money laying around and you want to help create good American jobs – Go to a sex toy store and buy some good American-made BDSM leather wrist cuffs and ankle cuffs and tie her to the bed and blindfold her. And then you can let her imagination do a whole lot of the work. Once she's blindfolded, she will picture – she won't know what's coming next. Every touch will be a heightened sensation. And then when it comes to the Dom subplay – don't feel like you have to bust out some crazy-ass scenario and you have to start acting and you have to be Darth Vader and she has to be Leia. Just be yourselves. You are who you are and that's sexier than than faking something ineptly at this stage. Be who you are. You, you know, you're 24, you're young, you're hot, you're straight. She's into you. She's submitting to you and you guys are doing some new crazy shit and it's hot. The end. And then you can talk about that. You can talk about – you know, that she's doing what you say because she's such a horny fucking girl and she's so turned on by this. So you can just work that angle and that will be enough. And in the meantime, you know, if you really want to get up there, if you really want to one day be a total dom-sub BDSM, you know, player who can spin out David Copperfield-esque productions and blow women's minds who are more experienced – Start watching some BDSM porn. Kink.com is a good place to start. Uh, get some BDSM literature. Uh, read. Read how-to manuals. Read about safety. Read about best practices. Uh, and email each other back and forth about it. Uh, unpack your fantasies. If you trust that she will delete your emails, you will delete her emails. You're not going to forward them to her parents if you guys have a big bad bust up. And – Talk about it. Talk about what turns you on. Talk about where you want to go and then take baby steps until you are there. And don't call fags who host podcasts old. That's not a good practice. (laughs) Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old straight woman currently living in the South. I, up until recently, have been happily working at a somewhat Christian-run and socially conservative coffee shop. I know. But I've mostly enjoyed the challenge of being the only liberal atheist barista. However, something happened at work the other day that I would love your opinion on. Basically, a middle-aged couple came in separate cars to the cafe. They had normal orders. I should mention they're a straight couple. And they seemed to be discussing some pretty serious stuff. At one point, I had to walk in between them to change the music, and I did so politely and quickly. But the woman seemed pretty distressed and gave my coworker and I dirty looks when she left. Then, five minutes later, without her husband, she came back, demanded the manager's information, and stormed out. We were really confused until she called an hour later and let loose hysterical at my coworker, claiming that a barista wearing red boots and purple shorts, a.k.a. me, was propositioning her husband and trying to destroy their marriage. She claimed that I was flirting with him nonstop even before she got there and that I had come to change the music just to entice him. She even told my coworker that she didn't appreciate escorts providing inappropriate and inhumane services to her husband. She promised to come in the next business day and tell all the details to my manager so that he may take action on me. I can assure you that I did not proposition her husband, a bald man in his 50s. I don't remember anything about him, his order, or doing anything that his wife would have had any details about, as she said. I admit that I do sometimes dress provocatively, but the only thing I had on that day that anyone could say was provocative was bright red cowboy boots and a cute half apron. 
And although I do have a pro slut hood lifestyle, I am not by any means a home record. So I find the pretty the situation pretty fucking hilarious when I look back at it. But honestly, I started feeling a little humiliated. I read about slut shaming before, and I wanted your opinion. Do you think this is slut shaming? Since she accused me of being a homewrecker based on a bullshit first impression, please let me know. I don't think this is slut shaming. This is just some fucking crazy dumb fuck that you cross paths with who is obviously having problems with her husband uh, and is paranoid and insane about sex. Maybe she's a batshit fundy Christian. They're often pretty fucking crazy about sex and maybe not. Not everybody who has these kinds of reactions when their husband glances at a cute barista is a fundy Christian batshit nutcase. But you know, based on where you said that you live and how most people are, there's a lot of paranoia about sexuality and a lot of anger and resentment, particularly at women and young women about their sexuality, about their sexual expression. There may be a slut-shaming element to this. She may be jealous that you are young and you're hot and she perceives that as – illegitimate and somehow an assault on her marriage because when she married this now middle-aged bald guy, not that bald guys can't be hot, but when she married this middle-aged bald guy, uh, she had it in her head that perhaps all other women on the planet would evaporate for him and he wouldn't be able to see them. You know, Anytime he looked at a woman after marriage, she would be pixelated like a bad guy on Cops. Uh, because that's what you know, Cosmo and romantic comedies and religious leaders tell people. That you know, if you're in love and you're married, you have no desire to sleep with other people. You will be monogamous and it will be effortless and beautiful. And it's actually a struggle. And when the scales fall from a lot of people's eyes and they realize that the person they married wants to fuck other people still and always will, that can make them feel cheated and lied to and make them really angry. And then instead of being angry at the appropriate targets, which is the world that lied to them about the way human sexuality worked, the preachers and teachers and parents and romantic comedies and stupid women's magazines, they get mad at the people that their partners want to fuck. They get mad at the attractive people whose existence they consider an assault on their marriage. They blame them. Instead of blaming the people who and the institutions that filled them with these unrealistic expectations about human sexuality. I don't think it's slut shaming in particular in this instance. It's just more evidence of our of the way we fuck people up about sex in our culture. And I'm sorry that you got the blame for it, but you should laugh. This is funny. This woman is ridiculous. Not only she's a ridiculous individual with her head up her ass, but she's evidence of how far up our asses our culture is about sexuality. You drew it out, but you are not to blame and you are not a slut. Have fun. Get the fuck out of there. Wherever you're living, get the fuck out of there. Move somewhere saner. Not that this won't happen somewhere saner, but it's less likely to happen somewhere saner. Hey, Dan, I'm calling about uh, Podcast 295 and the girl who has a butt plug that rocks across the room. Um, one other thing she can look at if she's a little worried about a larger butt plug of getting in and out is they do also have inflatable butt plugs now. It really does the trick quite nicely. You insert it, and then you squeeze the pump as much as you want, let it expand as much as you want, and then voila, no more wondering where the butt plug went and trying to figure out if it rolled underneath the dresser. Hi, Dan and Tech Savvy at Rescues. Um, I'm calling to say that the woman who called in and said not um, to all the men to not send pictures of their dicks she needs to speak for herself and only herself. I absolutely love getting those kinds of photos from my boyfriend. I'm sure many, many millions of women out there do as well. So 
Dan, I think you're probably incorrect that most women are like that caller. I think the opposite is probably true. I don't think they look squirrely. I don't think they look weird. I think they are awesome, and it is an absolute instant turn-on. So just another perspective. Hi, this is a comment on episode 295 about the woman who doesn't like penis pictures sent to her. My boyfriend and I are in a long-distance relationship, and we have a lot of phone sex, and I love getting his responses to my nudie pictures, which is his big, beautiful hard-on. I love it. It makes me feel like I'm turning him on, and it's wonderful. I just know I was such a cockhound, but it's an awesome thing, and um, I do appreciate that he takes into account angle and perspective. I think those are important as well. So I don't think it's a bad thing to send pictures of your big cock to your girlfriend or your boyfriend. I think it could be an awesome thing, but it should it should be welcomed, and maybe, you know, ask him if, hey, do you want this picture of my big heart on because you turned me on and I want to show you. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, if you want to make sure your comments get seen, there is a comment thread attached to each and every podcast at thestranger.com slash lovecast. Please follow me on Twitter at fakedansavage.com. And of course, read my column, Savage Love, every week in alternative weekly newspapers all over the world. Uh, and online, you can find me at thestranger.com slash savage. 206-201-2720. That's the number here at the podcast. Give us a buzz. Me and the tech savvy at-risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.